say that with my glasses on, so I'm actually speaking the truth this morning. Most of the time, you're just a crazy blur. You know, I'm just kidding. I can see pretty well. Uh, he's helped with lights. Did you know that Sarah, our violinist that's been here playing with us for a while now, she received, it was accepted into Berkeley School, Berkeley. She would, come over here. And received a, even a larger scholarship from NYU, right? And I just, I just want to say how blessed we are to have her, not just to play with us. You play with a lot of talented musicians through the years. You get my age and you played for 35 or 40 years. You play with people, but there's no one I would rather play with. And it's not just playing. You can feel it when she plays. At the end of service, I don't do those things and say, let's just show off a little bit. It's because what's inside of her somehow comes through those strings. And they play, and it's just such a beautiful thing. Isn't that great that God takes someone like Sarah and is going to exalt her and give her a platform? We love you, baby. Great job. Great job. Amen. Amen. Well, how many people had the Lord move for you this week? That was an old boy. Was that good? All right. If you had the Lord move really, really well for you this week, I want you to jump up on your feet real quick. Yeah, oh, they actually jumped. Good God Almighty. Look around. Look around. Now we can say it with authority. God is good. And all the time. And when you don't know it, He's good. And when you can't see it, He's good. And when you haven't yet heard about it, He's good. And when it don't look like it's good, all things are working together for the good of them that love God and them that are called according to His purpose. That We misread that sometimes to say that all good things. But it doesn't say all good things. It says all things. That means bad things are working for my good. And devastating things are working for my good. And sad things, He takes it all and weaves it into the tapestry of our lives. And He not only sees, but He declares the end from the beginning. And He says just what He said in Genesis. It is very good. Aren't you glad about that? Amen. Amen. You can. And what also is good is that the Lord even uses... Should I say it? Well, I was going to say the Lord even uses the Tar Heels to cast out blue devils, but I mean, I don't know. There, from, the, from the beginning of the service, before the beginning of the service, this week, I have seen a large, just take it for us, I have seen a large head of a lion roaring from this place right here. And the thing about, and I'm going to talk about this, I think, some this morning. You're good, Jacob. And the thing about some, thank you for doing that. And the thing about that is, did you know that a lion's roar can be heard for five miles? Five miles. And it does, it does many things. One, it warns the enemy, I'm in, I'm in the place. <laughs> it's also a way that lions communicate to other lions that are of the same pride. And that's why when Robin stands up here and begins to open her mouth and sing, or Marie or Becky or Abigail, Sarah, begin to open her mouth and sing, it's, it's, it's deep calling unto deep is what it is. It's lying, roaring, and others' lines responding, saying, yeah, we got you, we're here. Have you seen that meme that's going around, that little video going around, where these little demonic-looking hyenas attack this one lioness, and she's just trying to fight off and fight off and fight off until finally here comes about three or four more lionesses, and then, and then the king of the pride shows up, and those little demons run all over the place. Have you seen that? Have you seen Lion King? Because don't make me preach Lion King, because I can. What a, what a prophetic movie. 
And this morning I hear the, the line of Judah roaring. Talk about that some. Before we do that, we're going to receive this morning's tithe and offering. Let's all stand. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to come. Uh, to present ourselves together. We know that this is not church. We're the church. But this is a place that we choose to come and to gather together to worship and to praise and to hear about your word, to make prophetic declaration, uh, to experience an encounter collectively that we can only get collectively and corporately because you you pour your spirit out upon them, not just upon him. And I thank you for that, Lord. Now, as we give, we know that what we give is not a debt that we owe, but it's a seed we sow. And we know that good seed sown into good soil brings forth good fruit. So I bless everyone that gives this morning. In Jesus' name, and the church said... Amen. Come on up to the front and place your gift there in the basket. If you want to give, uh, use technology to give, look up on the screens. You can go to tvwc.churchcenter.com slash giving. I just said W. Not W, I said W. You can go to truevinestatesville.org. You can give that way. Also, if you go to truevinestatesville.org, you're going to find out some things that are coming up. For instance, Randall Worley is going to be with us next Sunday morning. Our dear friend Randall Worley, we love him. He's going to be up in Moravian Falls with some uh, ministry. And uh, he called me a month or so ago, and I said, yeah, come see us. And then uh, a week from this Friday night, we're going to have our Good Friday Night of Worship. And you do not want to miss that. How many people are making plans to come to the Good Friday Night of Worship? Um, This would be a a perfect time for you to invite some of your friends and family to come. Uh, On those nights of worship, our preaching is done through song. So it seems a little less abrasive than I am personally because it's done through music. And yet... The things that the Lord does and that he releases and that people receive have been overwhelming. We normally have a, a packed house, so make sure that you're here. Uh, we'll have some uh, gifts to give away to our guests. Uh, but, but, and we're going to take a part of uh, the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. We'll take communion that night. So be a part of that. We have other things that Elizabeth out on the calendar out front that you can read. Um, we've got Bible school coming up. We've got Word of Deliverance Youth Camp coming up. If you're in the, in the younger youth or if you're in high school still, come see me if you'd like to go. We'll get a list of people that'll go. And if I need to go and, and, uh, and chaperone you myself, I'm going to be there anyways. We'll do it. Our praise team will be going for that. That's the Father's Day through that Wednesday. So uh, we'll leave uh, just after church on Father's Day. And, and we'll be gone Sunday, Monday, Tuesday and come home Wednesday. So a lot of good things going on. Yes. Today, directly after church, Vacation Bible School. If you have spoken to Sarah or you, or you would like to volunteer or, or whatever, we could definitely use the help. You want to do it right here? We'll do it right here in the green room, guys, right here beyond that black door. So Children's Church and Nursery, you guys can go on back to the back. If you're visiting, we have Children's Church for kindergarten through pre-K, and we have nursery for babies all the way up to, what, four or five or something like that. Is that right? If you need to use the restroom, they're all the way down there at the hallway, at the very end of the hallway. And uh, don't be afraid to use the flush button. Man, why do you say that? Come up here one Monday or Tuesday when we're cleaning, you'll know why I say it. Also, first door to the left there, if you need to attend to a a child or a baby or Augustine, um, go through that hallway, first door on the left there, and we've got the uh, service stream back there. So, I'll say again, you look good today, especially that one right there walking around the corner. She looks real good today. And uh, today I do want to talk to you about the line of Judah. And um, what I believe the Lord does is he, uh, he's very um, methodical in the way that he works. 
He's very specific in the way that he works. God does, does nothing that's just haphazard or ill-planned, and he's never ill-prepared. Everything that he does, everything that he says, everything that he releases, he's always very methodical in the way that he releases it. Uh, for instance, he created seven days, and we know that. And on the seventh day, he rested. Did you know there are also seven major colors um, in a rainbow? Did you know there are seven days in a week? There are seven notes in a major scale. Um, and then the eighth day, or the eight, is the first of the next. Um, and when he releases a word or releases music or releases these things in the earth, he does those things for a reason. There's a reason that this song, Line of Judah, that we sang this morning um, is, is gaining traction and resonance. It's because it's what he's speaking in the earth right now. He's speaking, he's saying something, but the thing of it is God always partners with people to say the things that he's trying to say in the earth. Amen. Now, I have a habit of when you don't respond to my preaching and my talking, I just keep going longer and longer. So you might want to take that into consideration uh, whenever I'm saying stuff. If you want to throw me a mercy amen every once in a while. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm totally just teasing. But the thing that God is saying about Line of Judah, it, it bears prophetic significance for today. In fact, I told the team back there, I said, I can't quite put my hand on it. I can't quite put my finger on it. But there's something so significant about the fact that we're singing about the Line of Judah today. So I'm going to talk to you about that um, for the next few minutes, if that's okay. They get it. Hail, hail, line of Judah, let the lion roar is an anthem of worship. The beauty of Scripture is how things are spiritual in nature but can be seen or described in the natural. For instance, when we say J Jesus is the line of Judah, he's not a literal lion. When we say, when John looked and Jesus comes walking down the banks of the Jordan River and John said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. There was not an actual literal lamb walking down. This was metaphor. And the Bible speaks using metaphor, using simile. And until we learn to read the Bible figuratively, the, in, in fact, there's a scripture that says all things that are spiritual can be seen in the natural world. God gives us pictures because we experience the natural world with our five senses, with what we see, hear, smell, taste and touch and so the Lord understood that in our finite uh, senses we would need to be able to experience him because if we experienced him in all of his glory it would obliterate our finite senses and so he says I'm going to give them away to experience me in the realm in which they are and because he's everywhere at all the time and always at the same time uh, let me get to where I want to talk about it was Romans 1 20 that says this ever since creation the creation of the world his invisible attributes his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through his workmanship. Isn't that amazing? All his creation, all the wonderful things that he has made can be seen uh, and, and reveals the spiritual things. So because we experience life in this realm with our senses, he uses metaphor and allegory to describe those things that cannot be perfectly described by words. So why is Jesus referred to as lion? And what exactly is the, does this roaring lion have to do with me? And was he a lion or a lamb? You ever ask questions like this, just me? Revelation 5 is a scripture reference where Jesus is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm going to talk about it just here in a minute. Many have said that his first coming was as a lamb, but his second coming will be as a lion. As if this is a Hollywood script and he's coming back to take vengeance on his enemies. How many people ever heard that? Are you afraid to speak back to me? How many people have heard that? I mean, first time he came, and, and, and you know, first time he came as a lamb, but the next time he's come as a lion, you know, he's gonna tear his enemies up. All those evil, wicked people. 
Now, not me. Not me. We're not part of that. But the guys that I don't like and the guys that I don't agree with and the ones that don't have the same theology that I have and the ones that don't have the same eschatology that I have and the one that won't read the Bible the same way I do and the one that aren't part of the same denomination, he'd come back take vengeance on them and not me. That's an ignorant abuse of Scripture. And it, has, it is not found in truth whatsoever. No, that's not who he is. Let's read Revelation 5. Revelation 5, chapter 1. Now this is John. I just want to preface this reading of Revelation with this. This is John the Beloved. John the Revelator. We've heard it said in Southern Gospel songs. John the Beloved. This is the same John, and it is the same John, that when, when Jesus lived and walked and talked with his disciples, his apostles, you had some that would argue, can we sit at your right and can we sit at your left? When you come into your kingdom, can we be, can we be you know, really the, the captains of your guard or whatever? John was the one that was just sufficient, it was sufficient for him just to be laying his head against Jesus' chest. Every time you see them, in fact, in John, in St. John, he calls himself the one whom Jesus loves again and again and again, which tells me he found his identity not in what his name was, but he found his identity in the way that God loved him. Would, 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 would to God that the church in 2022 would once again find our identity in what Jesus has done for us and how God loves us. And it's no wonder that John would be the one to whom the revelation of Jesus Christ would be revealed because intim intimacy always precedes revelation. I'll say it again, intimacy always precedes revelation. Now, there are things that are taught, but there are other things that are caught. And John is going to catch a whole lot of stuff simply because he was more, he was more important to him to have his head up against the, the chest of Jesus so he could hear the very heartbeat of God than to arguing about right or left or right or wrong or who's this and who's that. He didn't care about those things. Master, even when Jesus was about to be betrayed, John said, Lord, please tell me who it is. And Peter turns to John that, that Jesus loves him and said, hey, John, he loves you. Get him to tell you who it is. Because, because intimacy precedes revelation, and they knew that John was the one that Jesus loved. John was, John was the youngest of all of the 12 disciples that Jesus chose, and the 12 apostles. And John ultimately would be put out, put out on an aisle called Patmos, which means the place of my death or the place of my killing. And history tells us they would pluck his eyes out. In amazing, he could write the revelation, not even having eyes to see, and saw more than they all. But anyways... Revelation chapter 5 verse 1 And I saw the one seated on the throne And what he was holding Or upon uh, the palm of his right hand The scroll is being offered to anyone who can break open the seals His right hand had an unopened scroll With writing on the inside and on the outside Here's some reference if you're, if you're taking notes Isaiah 29.11, Ezekiel 2.9-10, Daniel 12-4 the revelation God gave to Daniel was to be sealed, but what John saw was a book that is to be broken open. Anyways, verse 2. Then I saw an incredibly, incredibly powerful angel. But no person could be found, oh, I'm sorry, uh, proclaiming who is worthy to open the scroll and who is able to break or release or uh, on heaven or earth, who is able to uh, uh, break the seven seals. And verse 3 says, And no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read its contents. So verse 4, So I broke down weeping with intense sorrow, because there was found no one worthy to break open the scroll and read its contents. Then one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the mighty lying of Judah, 
the root of David, he has conquered. He is worthy, and he's the worthy one who can open the scroll and the seven seals. I love that. So here's John. John is in heaven. He sees, he sees uh, this scroll. This, it's, got, it's, it's sealed. And we talk, a lot of people are trying to talk about Revelation. Can I get down and talk to you down here just for a minute? Because what I really want to do is help you. Because if everything that we believe in our eschatology, and I'm not here necessarily uh, to try to change your mind, what I do want to do is challenge some of these preconceived ideas and notions that we have about eschatology. Eschatology is the study of end things or last things or the end times. And, and the end time, let me tell you what the end times are not. The, the end times are not when there are wars and, and rumors of wars and pestilence and famines and, and basically, you know, 2022. <laughs> 2020 through 2022. And there are a whole lot of people making a whole lot of money, scaring a whole lot of people, telling them this is the end, this is the end of time. And they're scaring people. And anybody that stands behind a podium and uses fear to intimidate people or to get their coffers full, they are not of the Spirit of Christ. Period. Amen. Be, because the, this is what the script, now don't get mad at me. Hear me out before you get mad at me. Because some of you already turned me off. Turn me back on, tune me back in, listen to me. Let me finish my statement before you tune out. And, this, and I know that this is hard for a lot of people to say, wait a minute, you're challenging everything that I've always and ever believed. Well, that's okay. Maybe it needs to be challenged. Listen, I'll tell you this. Truth can always stand up to every bit of scrutiny you can throw at it. It can always stand up to scrutiny. So what, here's, what I, here's what I ask of you. As I'm talking, I'm not, I'm not going to preach just about eschatological things today. I don't want to do that because this is not a teaching. I want to talk to you about what the lying is roaring in Statesville and the communities around and what he's saying in the earth today. But be very clear, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so John stands here and he sees, he sees this scroll that's rolled up and he says no one was worthy to open the scroll. And then an elder turns to him and says, look. Listen, it's very, it's very peculiar. He says, look, behold the lion of Judah who is worthy. And it's, this is amazing. And so John stops his weeping and he's going to do exactly what the elder tells him to do. And he turns thinking that he's about to see a lion. But verse 6 says this, then I saw a young lamb. Whoa, wait a minute. That's not what the elders said. The elders said, behold, the lion of Judah is, is worthy. Behold, that means look, look, John. Look, the lion, and he turns, waiting to see what a lot of us want to see. This majestic roaring, I'm going to defeat my enemy lion. And he turns, and he's like, wait a minute. There's a slain lamb there. I'm going to go ahead and give you the free part up front. Because the lion represents the victory that he won, but the lamb represents how he got it. Good God Almighty. The elders said, stop weeping. Look, the mighty lion of Judah's tribe, the root of David, he has, not he will, not he's coming to, he has conquered. He is worthy. He's the worthy one who can open the scroll. Then I saw a young lamb standing in the middle of the throne. He appeared to have been slain, and yet he was alive. This is our Lord Jesus Christ with the marks of sacrifice still on him. He had seven horns. Five. Horns are a picture of power and authority, according to Psalm 89.17 and Daniel 7.8. While seven is the number of perfection, perf perfect authority now belongs to the Lamb who was slain, and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into the ends of the earth. John said, I saw a young lamb approach the throne and take the scroll from the right hand of the one who sat there. And when the 24 elders and the four living creatures... 
saw the lamb had taken the scroll, they fell down face on their faces and at the feet of the lamb and worshipped him. Each one of them had a harp and golden bowls brimming full of sweet fragrant incense, which are the prayers of our holy lovers. Prayers there is not just the word prayers, it's prayers, praise, and worship. Harp and bowl speaks of prayers, praise, and worship. It's incense. If you go back to the tabernacle of Moses, just before you went into the Holy of Holies, there was an altar of incense. And as incense was sprinkled upon the fire there on the altar, it would raise up. And if it was a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord, then the priest would be translated at once from, from uh, from the holy room into the holy of holies, where the only light back there is the presence of God. Why are you telling us that, preacher? Because this morning, this morning, as we begin to lift up our praise, and as, as before church we begin to pray, pray and, and, and lift up our praise and lift up our worship, then there was an invitation to come into a, a secret place, to come into this holy of holy place, to come into this intimate place where, we, where the only light there is the glory of God. And where there's the glory of God, there is no sickness, there is no sin, there is no death. The purpose of the glory of God is not to get rid of sin, sickness, and death. That's the byproduct. Because sickness and sin and death cannot coexist where perfect life and glory is. We have a whole lot of churches that are chasing the glory for the purpose of healing the sick. And, and that's, that's fine. But the purpose should be to have intimate relationship with the Heavenly Father. Intimate relationship by the Holy Spirit with His Son. And the byproduct of this, when you, when you enter into that place, death can't go beyond the veil. And sickness can't go beyond the veil. And the father even one-upped it and said, I'm going to do you one better. I'm not just going to keep it here beyond the veil. But when Jesus, roaring as the Lion of Judah and, and, and being a slain lamb, cried on Calvary, it is finished. The Bible says immediately the curtain in the temple, the veil that separated mankind from the glory of God was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And it wasn't so we could get in. It's so that the glory of God could get out. And now the whole earth will be filled with His glory. In fact, the Bible says the, earth, the glory of God, the knowledge of the glory of God will fill the earth as the water covers the sea. Not just the glory of God because it already fills the earth. You just don't know it yet. It already fills the earth. But the knowledge of the glory of God will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. Let me get back to Scripture. Help me preach, baby. He's fine. Let him... He, every, time, every time he comes, he starts preaching with me, especially when I get loud. And I saw the young lamb approach the throne and take the scroll. When the 24 elders and the four living creatures saw the lamb and saw he had taken the scroll, they fell down on their faces at the feet of the lamb and worshipped him. Each one of them had a harp and golden bowls brimming full of sweet fragrant incense, which are the prayers of God, God's holy lovers or the saints. And they were all singing this new song of praise to the lamb. Because you were slain for us, you are worthy to take the scroll and open the seals. Your blood was the price paid to redeem us. You purchased us to bring us to God out of every Every tribe, language, people, and group and nation. You have chosen us to serve our God and formed us into a kingdom of priests who reign forever. The present tense of the Greek verb indicates that the reign of the believers on earth has already begun. Not you will choose us. You have chosen us to serve our God and formed us into a kingdom of priests who reign already. I've told you before. 
And I spoke to someone just this past week sitting on my deck. I said, the biggest challenge that I face as a, as a new covenant minister is just helping people have their eyes open to see who they really are. The subject is always identity. Because you don't know what, who you are, so you don't know what you have access to. But once you find out who you really are and whose you really are, then you understand there are a whole lot of things coming to me. And there's a big inheritance that I have coming to me just by, the, by, by virtue of the fact that he is the, is the heir of all things. But he made me a joint heir with him. The Bible says we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Which is to say, I, I'm an heir of God, which means I take into my DNA the same DNA that God has. I'm a part of his DNA. I'm a glory bearer. But not just that, I'm a joint heir with Christ means everything that Jesus can expect to have, you can expect to have. Not because you're good and not because you're righteous, not because you're holy, not because of a works program, but because of what Jesus did on your behalf and chose to include you. I'd love some water. Jake, can you hook me up? Preach, baby. <laughs> yeah. Then every living being joined. How many of them? I'm going to back up. I need to go to 12. And as I watched, all of them were singing with thunderous voices. Worthy is Christ the Lamb who was slain to receive power and might and wealth and wisdom and honor and glory and praise. My God, worthy is Christ, the lamb who was slain. Wait a minute, this sounds, this sounds weird. Not worthy is the lion who attacked his enemies. It doesn't say that. That's what we think. That's the way that our mind works. We overcome by fighting. And by, and, and, but that's not what it says. It says, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive, or for this reason, so that he might receive great power and might and will, wealth and wisdom and honor and glory and praise. Then every living being joined the angelic choir. Every creature in heaven and on the earth. How many creatures was it? Every living creature being joined, uh, joined the angelic choir and every creature in heaven. And on earth, under the earth, in the sea, and everything in them were worshiping with one voice. How many voices? Were worshiping with one voice saying, praise, honor, glory, and dominion be to the God enthroned and to Christ the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures responded, amen. And the 24 elders threw themselves face down to the ground and worshiped. Amen. That's the scripture reading. So let's read through some of these notes and see what the Lord says. We have... In this picture, the sound, listen, the sound of a roaring lamb, but the picture of a, a, a roaring lion, but the picture of a slain lamb. All at once. It's the sound of a roaring lion. It's the same sound that you heard this morning when we kind of tried to help you and pull you in because there's a, we, we needed to plow some ground this morning for whatever reason. It hadn't been that way lately, but that's okay. We can do that. And you heard the lion roaring, but it was, it was the sound of the lion, but it was the picture of the lamb. What an image. The lion represents Jesus' victory over the devil, sin, and death, and the living slain lamb is how he obtained the victory. Isn't that amazing? Not Jesus that's going to get the victory. Jesus that has already won the victory. Not his holy believers that are going to get the victory. But we are here to proclaim the victory that he won on our behalf. My father used to say this. Things are not always as they seem. He would say it this way. Seem to appear to thee. I'll shorten it this way. Things are not always as they seem. To see a slain lamb speaks to us of death. And humiliation 
and sadness and even weakness. How many people watched the movie The Passion of the Christ that came out 20 plus years ago? Part two is coming up real soon. Mel Gibson's working on the resurrection part. It's going to be good. I can't wait to see it. You saw The Passion. Man, at the end of that movie, we went and saw it. I think it was in 2000. What's that? Four? Okay. Well, then I guess we went and saw it in 2004. At the end of the movie, if you've seen that movie because of the, the visual images that are presented for you and the, and, and the, and the moving and, and the attachment that we have as believers, as we call ourselves Christians, to this torture of Jesus, at the end of it, there's only this brief moment that there's any type of resolve where we understand that he rose from the dead and it shows the lights gleaming through his hands. But you have two hours worth of a depiction of Jesus being mutilated. And he was. And he was. And I like it because I think it comes closer to, to reality. Well, actually, the Bible says that when they were done with him, with the whip that came upon his back, and we're about to celebrate Easter, that his back looked as though it was a plowed garden. Most of you have heard this, for those of you that maybe have not, when they would take that whip, it had shards of glass and bone in it, and it would sling it across his back, and it would actually stick there. It didn't just fall off his back. It would stick in there, and they'd pull it back, and, and the flesh would be pulled from his body. You could see the inside and the bones. and think that this. this does not sound like the picture of victory. I'm, I, really, I really want to go somewhere, but I want to paint this picture for you, and I want you to go there with me visually and use your, use your redeemed imagination, if you would. I want you to picture the slain lamb. When Jesus hung on the cross between those two thieves, he didn't have a loincloth. Jesus hung there naked, fully naked, fully, fully uh, revealed, fully, uh, fully in, in what the world would call shame. And, and they would take uh, vinegar on hyssop and put it up to his mouth. And, and he tasted it. When he realized he tasted of it, it would deaden the pain. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have any more of it. And what would happen, you know how crucifixion works, is they'd, they'd, they'd tie your hands or, or nail your hands. Some say hands, some say wrists. The scripture says hands, but whatever. And nail your feet. And what you'd have to do is you wouldn't die from bleeding to death normally. You would die from suffocation. From asphyxiation. So what you'd have to do is as you're hanging there, you have to push up. You'd push yourself up to get a breath. Because <gasps> when it went back down, you're hanging there, you couldn't get any breath. And so what would happen after hours and hours and hours go by, then a soldier would come by and take a club, and just beneath your knees, they would break your legs, the bones of your legs, so you had no more strength to push yourself up and get a breath, and ultimately you would die of suffocation. This was what the process of crucifixion was. I want, you to, I want you to think about this picture. I would also like to make a point that the only one of all of the 12 that were at the cross with Jesus was John. In fact, uh, I'll leave that alone. Okay. In fact, John says to, uh, Jesus says to John, John, behold the woman. And he says to Mary, woman, behold your son. Even at the cross, he was thinking of his mother. But he, what he was saying was to the woman, to the church, behold the son. Behold sonship. And what he was saying with those of us that understand sonship, you need to learn how to be a, a mother. But anyways, that's a whole different story. Well, maybe we'll teach that sometime. So he's mutilated. He's been beaten. They've taken handfuls of beard and they've pulled it from his face. So he's got blood gushing from his face. They've taken this crown of thorns, big thorns. Not these little briars. I hate those little briars. We've been cleaning out some of the area around our river and building a creek or a creek and building a bridge and doing things like that so we could get over it. And uh, briars this big, and I just want to say really not good words about those things. You ever got stuck in a briar patch and you didn't know it was coming? I'm, I, I have literally, this, Gail, this is the truth. Now, I'm a human like you're a human, but I have looked up to him and like, 
is this? You know, like, if you ever seen, probably shouldn't ask that, but. <laughs> huh? I've done it with shorts on, too. Oh, it's awful. I've got, a, I've got a big old scratch on my thumb today. I'm like, how am I going to hold the pick in place? Now, they took these thorns, two and three inches long, and they press it down with their sticks into his head until it pierces his temples, until all the nerves in his head, until he feels that. And here he is, almost, almost dead from the flogging that he took. They took, delight in it. they took delight in tearing his flesh from his body and pulling the beard from his face. The Bible says he was like a lamb led to the slaughter, yet he opened not his mouth. And then they take him, you know, they put the cross on his back, he carries it. I won't go into all the detail of that, but leading up to Easter, I think, it's, I think, it's, I think we need to. And then they hang him on a cross, they nail him to the cross, he cries out. And as he's there, Struggling to breathe and his tongue begins to swell. And his lips and his gums begin to turn blue. His nervous system begins to break down. He begins to sense fear. Jesus, yeah. My God. My God, why have you forsaken me? You ever wondered why he prayed that? He prayed it as a, as a prophetic prayer. He actually wasn't forsaken because the Bible says that the Father, God, was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world unto himself. And yet he felt separated and alone. And the reason that he did is feeling separated and feeling forsaken meant that we would never have to. And they looked there and there's this mutilated. The Bible says he was so mutilated that if they didn't know who he was, they would not have known who he was. If they didn't know that this was Jesus of Nazareth hanging on the cross, they would not. his own mother would not have recognized him. How many mamas, how many mamas can imagine your child being beaten and mutilated so bad that you would not know who that person was? That's how bad Jesus was beaten. And so, here, and so here's what John sees when we fast forward to Revelation. He sees this slain lamb and yet it's living. That does not look like the picture of a roaring lion. That does not look like the picture of victory. With him even in death though, you can hear the roar of a lion. With him even covered in blood, his enemies tremble. As he begins to loosen his roar. He's not just a lion, but he's the lion of Judah. And Judah speaks of praise, which tells me even in death, the lion of Judah and those that carry his divine nature can release a sound of praise that causes the earth to tremble. I want to paint a picture of what Jesus went through. Because I know in life, many of us go through, and I don't want to compare anything we go through to his crucifixion. And yet, we come to broken places. We come to places when we have been under attack or, or, or the cares of this life or even situations that we maybe are responsible for or those that are, have been our fathers and mothers or, or neglected us have been responsible for. They leave us sometimes with our mind or even sometimes our bodies just mutilated. Have you ever felt, have you ever felt broken beyond repair? Am I talking to anybody today? If you look at the picture of the slain lamb, that looks like a lamb that's beyond repair. But it's also a picture of some people in 2022 that have been, that have been humiliated, that have been forsaken, that have been neglected. And it does not in any way appear to be a picture of victory. And yet, in this suffering that Jesus had, deep down from the, from the belly of the lamb is the roar of a lion. I really, am, I really want to kind of connect this this morning because I know that I speak to people sometimes that feel like, man, this situation is hopeless. And, and I, know, I know personally some of your situations, and I know by the Spirit some of you have been struggling, but I want to paint you, I want to give you some hope. The appearance is 
that it all is death. But even with him, in death you can hear the roar of a lion. With him, even covered in blood, his enemies tremble as he begins to loosen his roar. He's not just the lion, but the one of Judah. And Judah speaks of praise, which tells me even in death, the lion of Judah. And those that carry his divine nature can release a sound of praise that causes the earth to tremble. He would cry, he would cry, Father! Into your hands I commit my spirit. And he would say, it is finished. And when he would cry, it is finished. The Bible says that the, that the earth began to quake. Did you know that? You're telling me in death, when he shouts loud, even though he's humiliated and he's mutilated and he's bleeding to death and he's suffocated. Have you ever been in a place where you felt like you were suffocating and there's a wound in your heart that's bleeding you to death? But even then, if you'll lift up your voice, even that lion of Judah that's inside of you can... It caused the earth to tremble around you. It's the picture of a slain lamb, but it's the sound of a roaring lion. A lion's roar can be heard as far as five miles away. It's a warning to intruders, and it's a communication method between other lions. Listen to me. Lions are unique in that they hang together in what we call a pride. Most cats don't do that. Especially non-domesticated cats. I don't know that any cat is actually domesticated. I think they're all demons because if I get within five feet of them, I sneeze for a year. I know y'all are cat lovers and that's okay. I'm praying for you. I pray for y'all just like I pray for the Duke fans. (laughs) They're unique because they stay together. And we call it a pride. They live together and they fight together and they are familiar with the roar of the king of their pride. They know the sound and they recognize the reverberation of the earth when their king, the king of their pride, roars. It is different than another lion's roar. In fact, if another lion comes and tries to roar, they immediately know that's not the king of this pride. Did you know that? It's amazing. It's just that to me, I find that fascinating. You think a lion's roar is a lion roar? No, not so. They distinctively know, or instinctively know which one is theirs, and you can always tell those who are a part of your tribe by their roar. Oh my God! Did I say that? You can always tell those that God has assigned you to, and that God has assigned to you, because they recognize the roar that you live, that you give off. And that's why you don't always, you don't always, as they used to say, you don't always jihad, you don't always, you don't always jive with everybody because everybody's not of the same pride that you're of. But when you find your tribe, when you find your pride, and they begin to, when you, when you connect with people that sound like you and, and that have the same, uh, the same DNA in them, you recognize that they, they roar just like I roar. That roar sounds like our father. That sound, that sound, when I hear Marie sing, when I hear Robin sing, the first time I heard Robin sing, I'm like, yeah, this is a part of our pride. I'm a part of her pride. When the first time I heard Cam get up and play and then see, he'll sing the bass, and I thought, yeah, this is a part of our pride. There's so many of you that I see when the Lord connects you. you, it, you it's a God thing. That, it's God that does this. There's no reason half of you should be here other than the fact that God said, in this time, in this place, I have purpose for you to be with this pride because you carry the same DNA. You sound, my God. Thank you. Thank you for helping me. I'm not even preaching yet. I'm almost done with my foundation. You can always tell those who are part of your tribe by their roar. Their praise will move you. Their praise will move you. As the king lifts his voice and roars, that sound reverberates through the pride until all the other lines in the pride roar with Whoa, whoa. 
the picture is the natural. The king of the pride stands up. And have you ever? This is why I said Lion King when they come back to take back the pride lands when Simba has fully grown up. Because and he roars. Then all the other lions, lions and lionesses that are with him begin to roar with the same sound, and it begins to shake. The, good Lord, it's the picture of the church. It's the picture of the overcoming church. And we're starting to change the picture now. It's not just this slain lamb. Now we, we're hearing the roar of the lion, but now we're seeing this mighty lion that's roaring. And now we roar with him. Let me get to where I want to talk about. As the king lifts his voice and roars, and the sound reverberates through the pride until all the other lions roar with him, it's their praise. It's their praise. In Revelation, the praise started in heaven and cascaded out into the earth as a waterfall. Revelation 5 that we just read, the Bible says they begin to praise and say, Worthy is the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the earth. And the Bible says that praise began to cascade from the heavens like a waterfall into the earth. And that's why when we get up here and begin to sing and praise, or that's why when you go through something traumatic, but you let the Lion of Judah roar within you and say, I will not let this situation steal my praise. It might look like all has come against me, but I'm not going to lose my praise. You can't steal my praise, and you can't steal my song, and you won't steal my testimony. As that begins to happen, even though the picture is a slain lamb, even though the picture is hopeless, even though the picture seems as though you're defeated, that praise begins to rise up inside of you. It's the same sound that a lion makes, and it cascades into the earth. As your king lifts his voice and roars, and it reverberates, it, it, it's your praise that reverberates, and it cascades all the way into the earth. It starts in the heavenly realm, but it causes a shaking in the earth. It starts in the heavenly realm, but it causes a shaking in the earth. It starts in the, what is the heavenly realm? Is the heavenly realm the cities, that city billions of miles away and we get a house in it one day? No. Jesus said to the boys 2,000 years ago, boys, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The, heaven is God's throne and the earth is his footstool. Heaven is the dwelling place of God. Hell, heaven is the, is the throne on which Jesus sits. The Father sits and Jesus stands. This is, the, heaven is a supernatural reality. It's a spiritual reality and it is at one time existence with our, with our now. It's not this place far off removed from us. Heaven is the throne of God. It's the place where he rules from. And that's where our praise starts. Why does our praise start in heaven? Because when we see, he's the one that's worthy. And he defeated death. And he defeated the devil. And he defeated sin. And he defeated sickness. And he defeated sorrow. And if he can do it, and he's given me the right and the same access, then I'm going to believe that he can defeat my sin. I'm going to believe that he can defeat my sickness. I'm going to believe that he can defeat my pain. And if he can do it there, I'm going to praise him. And I'm going to praise him. And I'm going to roar until my praise cascades all the way into the earth or until that reality in heaven manifests in my ever-present now. That's what Jesus said. Thy kingdom, thy will be done. Where? Just as it is. That's right. But you can't have his will manifest in the earth if you don't know his will in heaven. And what is his will in heaven? In, his, in the place where he rules from? Is for you to be whole. To not be broken. To not be sick. To not be busted. To not be uh, emotionally impaired. None of those things are the plan of God for your life. The plan of God for your life is to make you well and to make you whole and to make you prosperous. Yes, prosperous. He wants you whole. Spirit, soul, mind, and body. That's what he, not just what he wants. It's what he paid for. And when you get a picture of that, when you get a picture of that, you start getting excited. You're roaring like a lion. You say, wait a minute. This is a lion. This is victory. And he, it was paid for by that slain lamb. We're not here for entertainment. Here. 
today. We're not here simply to perform. When we gather here, we come to prophetically declare, this is our territory. You should know, if you're visiting Truvine today, or if you're a recent visitor or whatever, if you, if you come, we used to say first time you come your visitor, second time your family. I'll say first time you come your family. But if you leave, you know, well, I guess you got in-laws and outlaws, you know, whatever. No, your family. But you should know when we come here, when we join together, when we assemble ourselves, we have a purpose here. And our purpose is to make prophetic declaration and, and make sure that, that Statesville becomes synonymous with the glory of God. Now, since some of you, that sounds like a new phrase I'm going to share with you very briefly because I don't want to go into that. The Lord spoke to us back in 2016 or 17, I think it was. We were in the Civic Center in States where that ugly three-headed goddess witch, Hecate, is there. And, and the Lord spoke to us and said Statesville would become synonymous with the glory of God in, in the same way that the Azusa Street revival became synonymous with the move of God that happened there. It's an actual road, and long before the move of God there, it was known as Azusa Street. Now you can't say those words without people saying, oh, that's where the move of God happened. And it is coming. The day is upon us when people will say of Statesville. I read last night an article about Statesville. This past week, I'll have a funeral this afternoon for Brad, who passed away. He was in the chair. He's here with us, among us this morning. Uh, the spirit of just men make perfect. Uh, always assemble where the spirit of God is. But I'll do his funeral. Then Wednesday I've got one for Chase Gatton who was, whose life was taken untimely this past week. And I read another child whose life was just taken in Statesville. And I, and I was reading the article and some of the comments were, Statesville is the uh, toilet of Iredell County. You know what I said? Something jumped out in my spirit and said, no, not as long as I'm here. Statesville is going to be synonymous with the glory. These things might happen. I refuse to allow Statesville and Taylorsville and, and Stony Point and Hidnight. I refuse, I refuse to let all of those places become the, become the toilet of the county. No, no, no. We're going to be synonymous with the glory of God. There will come a time in my generation when people say, oh, that's Statesville. That's where the glory of God is so heavy that you can't even go there without getting healed. Mark my words. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Statesville would become synonymous with my glory, just as Azusa Street was synonymous with the move that happened in the early 1900s. Statesville and Taylorsville and the surrounding communities. Watch it happen. Watch it happen. So we're not here for entertainment. We're not here to simply perform. When we gather here, we come to prophetically declare this is the territory that belongs to Jesus Christ the righteous and his saints. We roar with the line of Judah and release our praise into the atmosphere, and that praise carries power. I'm going to say it again. Your praise carries power. Your praise is not just song, and it's not just rhythm, and it's not just harmony. It is the release of the reality of heaven into the earth. It is the supernatural overwhelming the natural. It is kairos overwhelming chronos. That's what your praise does. It releases something. You have to believe that. Otherwise, why are you singing? You have to believe my, my praise is a prophetic declaration. I refuse to stay stagnant. I refuse to stay where I am. They might have said that I'm sick, but I refuse to stay here. They may have called me depressed, but I refuse to stay here. And the way that I get out is I'm going to praise my way out. I might look like a slain lamb, but the truth is I'm roaring with the victory of a lion. We sing a new song and we saturate the atmosphere with praise and prayer and worship until we see the earth filling with His glory. Uh, we even praise when it looks like we've been defeated. Our situation may be a bloody mess, but the lamb that was slain is truly the lion that reigns. I said the lamb that was slain really is the lion. The lamb that was slain is really the lion that reigns.
We reign in life because of his death, burial, and resurrection. We roar with our king as a sign of triumph. No sin, sickness, curse, or even death itself has the power to silence my praise. Somebody ought to say that. No sin, sickness, situation, or curse has the power to silence my praise. I'll praise him when I don't feel like it. And I'll praise him when it don't look good. I'll praise him when darkness is good. There's nothing that will silence my praise. I'll praise Him when I don't feel like it. And I'll praise Him when they talk about me. I'll praise Him when I'm... Good God. Woo! You don't have the power to silence my praise. Oh, that's okay. You think you're looking at a slain lamb. You better listen closely because I can promise you that the lion of the tribe of Judah and his pride is roaring. Uh, I'm about where I want to preach now. No sin, sickness, curse, or even death itself has the power to silence our praise. When we praise through death into life. When we praise through death into life. There's two different forms of life. There's life before, then there's resurrection, which is life after. It's one thing to be alive. It's a whole other thing to pass through death and still be alive when you get to the other side. That's why I told you Brad's here with us this morning. Although he's tasted of death, Jesus said, He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Let me preach this morning. When praise through death into life comes we let the lion roar when temptation comes let the lion roar I'm telling you this morning when temptation comes to you let the lion roar when sickness tries to afflict your body let the lion roar when the doctor gives you a poor diagnosis let the, when I say let the lion roar what I mean is let the lion of Judah Judah means praise let the praise of the king let it roar from within you don't you stop praising when your enemy surrounds you let the lion roar and when depression tries to creep in and take over let the lion roar when it seems you've lost it all let the lion roar when your family doesn't understand you let the lion roar when your friends have forsaken you let the lion roar when all hell is broken loose against you am I the only one let the lion roar when you family or the picture may be of a bloody lamb but the sound is of a rushing mighty wind and it is the roar of his spirit residing deep within the voice of his believers don't judge me by how I look, stick around to hear my roar don't feel sorry for me until you stick around to hear how I roar God, don't pity how it looks. Listen for the roar of victory. We will not be defeated. We will not be afraid. We will not give over to fear. Oh, man. Don't feel sorry for me and don't pity me. All you can see is a bloody lamb, but you don't hear inside of me as a roaring lion. I'm so sorry that you got that diagnosis. Don't you feel sorry for me? Feel sorry for yourself that you ain't listening close enough to hear the line of Judah roaring within me that says, the facts might be I'm sick, but the truth says I'm healed. The fact might be that they clinically have, have, that they have, they have diagnosed me with depression, but the fact says I've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Uh, the, all, all the, even though the hounds of hell surround me there's not one dog that stands a chance against the lion of the tribe of Judah let the hyenas laugh let the demons snarl let them say whatever they want to say but listen for the roar of the lion of Judah you can't steal my praise you can afflict me but you can't take my praise you can take my family but you can't take my praise you can take my health but you can't take my praise you can take my home but you won't take my praise good God Am I the only one in this place this morning? 
You can afflict my children, but you can't take my praise. You can take my money, but you won't take my praise. It might look like there's a slain lamb, but listen for the roaring of the lion and his pride. I turn. It's the suit. O valley be raised up. O mountain be made low. Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. Let the rough ground become plain. You think I'm talking to you and you think I'm reciting scripture. No, sir. I'm prophesying. Let the rough ground be made plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And our situation may be a bloody mess, but the lamb that was slain is truly the lion that reigns. Stand up on your feet. Stand up on your feet. Jacob, play guitar for me. Jacob. It's what an um, Only God can do things like this. Only God can take a pebble this big and take out a giant this big. Only God can take a bloody, slain, slain, crucified lamb and win the victory for time and eternity for every single one that simply believes. Only God can do those things. Only God can take a lowly shepherd boy and exalt him and raise him until he becomes the king. And the Bible says, upon the throne of David, there shall not cease to sit one of your descendants upon the throne. Only God can take a gangster and, and turn his life and say, you can call yourself a gangster all you want, but the truth of it is I've called you to be a part of my pride. And you will roar with the... <laughs> Only God can do those things. Only God can take a little redneck from, from Stony Point and send him around the world and bring him back and, and, and sit here at 44 years and tell you there's nothing that can steal your praise. Don't you dare let, any, don't let anything steal your dream and don't let anybody rob you of your praise. You praise your way out of a mess. Believe it. You can praise your way out of a mess. Because what happens when you're praising is you are changing your focus from what is to what could be and you bring what is in the reality of heaven all the way into your now. Lord, I'm going to pray. You're so worthy. Because just think about this. Your focus becomes on Him. And when your focus becomes on Him, you're not worrying about all the other stuff. And when you start saying, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive glory and power and honor. And with your stripes I am healed. And by your stripes I was healed. They may have tried to take you down. And they thought death was going to swallow you up. But the truth of it is you were swallowing up death and victory. When you start talking those things, everything that comes against you attacks you. You don't have to understand it. And that's the problem with Americans. We're so logical because it doesn't make sense what God's doing because everything God does is illogical. If it makes sense, it might not be God. Play the other tape. If it makes sense, it's probably not God. If the dream that is inside of your heart is something you can accomplish on your own, it's probably not a dream that came from God. But if the dream that God has put inside of your heart is something that only God can do, Mr. Deal, then it's probably from God. And it's probably the Lord saying, the reason that you can't do it is because I want to force you to partner with me because I want to show you how I want to bless you. You're not going to, I wish somebody would get enough gumption. I mean, it's just, it amazes me. You just see a picture of a lion. 
and his, and his mane, if he's a lion or a lioness, and, and, they're, and they're low to the earth, and they're crouched down. And here comes, and you can just hear the, like, who do you think you are? You'll never see a lion cower. That's a re, there's a reason he's called king of the beast. You're not going to see that. You take your best shot. You're going to hear a roar of the Lion of Judah inside of me. You're going to hear a praise that comes from me. You're going to hear a praise that I will saturate Statesville with the praises of God. I will saturate Statesville with worship. I will saturate my household with praise and prayer and worship until the only sound that's heard. Everybody on the block will say, God, look at that poor family. They're just bleeding to death. But they'll be coming a sound. But I don't know. they got a roar coming like your family. You know, Look at that poor family just all broken and bloody. But there's a roar that comes from that because you can't let anything stand. Steal your praise. If you'll refuse to let the enemy steal your praise, listen to me. <laughs> if you'll refuse to let the enemy steal your praise, God will refuse to let the enemy take your purpose. Woo! Just heard it, gonna say it again. I said, if you will refuse to let the enemy steal your praise, God will refuse to let the enemy steal your purpose. It might look like all hell is broken loose, but all heaven is broken with it. Let all the hounds of hell will say with those two, let the lion of the tribe of Judah raise us. He's worthy. And I refuse to give in to this. I refuse to give in to sickness, and I refuse to give in to fear. God has been too good to me. And throw out, the, throw out the belief and the, and the poor theology that says God made me sick to teach me. So no, he teaches you by his spirit. Can you learn a lesson through things that happen? Of course, that's just how good God is. But God doesn't afflict you to, so that you can learn. You can't find it in the person of Jesus and so you should not say it about the character of his father. He teaches by his spirit. He always wants you well, Barbie. God doesn't wake up and get excited about, oh, man, this, this is a tough one. I don't know if I can heal this one. Oh, man. God doesn't take days off. I'm really tired today, guys. I'd heal you, but I'm just tired. No, no, no. He's not that. And because he's not that, you should not be that. God doesn't need your excuse. He doesn't need your excuse. What he's waiting for, Jesus said this to the woman at the well. Remember, he said, you worship what you know not. You think worship here. He said, the time is coming. The Father seeks those that worship him in spirit and in truth. Listen to what he says. The Father's not even seeking worship. He's seeking worshipers. Don't, miss, don't, don't take my spirit apart from my words. Listen to what I'm saying. The, the Father's not narcissistic in that he needs your worship. What he really wants is worshipers. Because, because you become like what you worship. And because you become like what you worship, the Father wants you to see Jesus as high and lifted up. And the Father wants you to see Him as the risen Lamb uh, the, and, the, and, and the roaring lion. He wants, you to, he wants you to see yourself the same way you should see Jesus. Can Jesus be afflicted with sickness anymore? Absolutely not. Can Jesus be overcome by death? Absolutely not. And because we're joint heirs with Christ, then the same thing that we say of Jesus, we should be able to say of you. So can death overcome you? I found out in Acts 2.24, it was not possible that death could hold Jesus. And because it's not possible that death could hold Jesus, and he shares his victory with me it's not possible that death can hold me it's not possible that sin can keep me bound and that could go on and on so how many people in here refuse to allow the enemy to steal your praise that, that, you got it I'm going to give you another chance. That was good. I appreciate you raising your hand. Thank you for responding. I'm going to say it this way. How many people, by praising, will show the Lord that you refuse to allow the enemy to steal your praise? 
It might look like everything's come against me, but you cannot steal my praise. Hail, hail, Lion of Judah, let the lion roar. Hail, hail, Lion of Judah, let the lions roar. Hail, hail, Lion of Judah, I hear your lions roar. Somebody just said, Lord. I, I'm going to call it a few things because of what I'm just seeing because I want you to know. Somebody right now has a teenage son and you are very, very, very worried about your teenage son. I don't know what your teenage son's name is unless God reveals to me or what he's going through. But you're worried about that. You know you can praise, you can praise your way into an atmosphere and cause an atmosphere in your home that will change your son's behavior and change his trajectory. I can show it to you by scripture, but I just want to tell you this morning, trust me, uh, whoever that is, just begin to praise your way right through it. Go ahead and pray. Lord, you've given him purpose. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you. I don't want to hurt you. I want to do evil to you. I want to prosper you. I want to give you a good life, and I want to give you purpose. Those are the words of the Lord. Go read Jeremiah 29, 11 and declare it over your teenage son. And watch what God does. Don't you let the enemy steal. Don't you look at the picture that looks like a bloody lamb and allow the enemy to steal the roar of the lion within you. It might look ugly, but I hear the roar of a lamb. My son, he will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. He will, uh, who is it? You're in here, I know. Don't come up to the front. I don't want to embarrass you. But I know there's somebody here. Somebody's daddy has got kidney disease. Whoever that is, God, God's gonna, God wants to heal your daddy of that kidney disease, but he wants to do it and release it by your praise. Whose daddy in here has kidney disease? Emily's dad has kidney disease? Jeremy's wife, Emily? Didn't know that. Anybody else? Oh, that's right. I, I wouldn't even think about that, Jacob. Your daddy. Well, come up here. <laughs> My brother-in-law genuinely was not even thinking about that the Lord wants to heal your father of that kidney disease and do you know that when you stand up here and you release prophetic worship and prophetic praise that it will saturate even your daddy and your mama and the whole family believe me believe me Joseph's whole family was saved because of what Joseph did. It didn't have anything to do with his brothers. They had sold him into slavery. So you begin, you keep on worshiping. You get that guitar at your house, and when daddy, you don't even know he's listening, just begin to praise and sing and watch what God will do. In the name of Jesus, I speak to Michael's kidneys right now and Emily's father. What's his name? Do you know it, Christian? And Huey, right now in the name of Jesus, for Michael and for Huey, we speak to kidney disease. You thought yourself, thought you found yourself a home? Wrong answer. In the name of Jesus, because of the precious blood of the Lamb, the Bible says that with His stripes we were healed, and by His stripes we are healed. The Scripture says that healing is the children's bread, and that we see you arise with healing in your wings. In Jesus' name, heal Michael Jenkins' kidneys right now in Jesus' name. Heal Huey's kidneys in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Is there somebody else whose daddy had kidneys? Man, I, I can't. Look at Sue. So, Jacob, get your guitar here at the house and just play all the other stuff whenever. But you find this place alone, just begin to praise. Let him hear it. He'll hear his spirit to hear it when his ears don't hear it. I just do these things so that you can know that the, the spirit of God's moving. Not, not, not trying to call anybody out or show off any of that stuff believe me if you learn how to walk in the prophetic and God shows you stuff you just say it and what it does it lets people know oh man this is this is real especially if people have doubts are you going to say something uh, hold on a second neck tumor did, did you also have kidney, kidney disease thing for kidney disease so God will take care of it after it's happened he'll even take care of it before it happens 
Okay, that sounds good to me. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Throw them down right there. Yep. I'd be done with it. In Jesus' name, take the, take, the, take the taste for it out of her mouth. Elizabeth, come help me, baby. Where is she? Lisa, uh, Jesus, take the taste for it from her. And Jesus, she said, can I lay these down? Lord, take the taste of, of, of nicotine that is, that is so damaging to her out of her body in Jesus' name. Take the, take, the, take the feel for it. Take the taste for it. Take the desire for it away. And fill her with your purpose in the name of Jesus. I declare it right now. Also, Father, thank you for her father's uh, kidneys right now that they'd be healed and whole in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Watch it. Watch it happen. Okay? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Good. Okay. In Jesus' name, I speak right. Give me the key. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. In Jesus' name, right now, we speak to this. Speak to those kidneys in Jesus' name. This kidney disease. You thought you found yourself on. There ain't no way you could say in that. He's such a praiser. He's such a worshiper. And even though people don't see it in the name of Jesus, I declare that his kidneys will be made perfect and be made whole in Jesus' name. As she lifts her praise, as she's been faithful to lift her praise, as her daughter lifts her praise, Father, cause it to reverberate throughout the household in the name of Jesus. And for William to an extra measure in Jesus' name. Uh, I think I saw a tumor. Does somebody have a tumor growing on the side of their neck or something? Know somebody that is? I see it on the right side. It could be the left side. I don't know. You know somebody? You? You know somebody? On your right side. Can I put my hand up? I won't hurt you. In Jesus' name. You said that you you showed me that, Father, and you said call out tumor on the right side. Let me get let me get the oil. Oh, sorry, baby. Where's the uh, anointing oil? If you need to go, that's fine. Do what you gotta do. The Lord's going to do what He came to do. And I'm going to do what I'm here to do. A little bit longer. I didn't know. Have you told me this? I didn't know anything about this. I stood right there. He said, somebody's got a tumor on the right side of their neck. In Jesus' name, I speak to it right now. You, you have, I can't even believe you had the audacity to think that you could touch this temple. I cannot believe that you, you, what a fool to think that you could attack. In the name of Jesus, I speak to this tumor. You called it out, I didn't. Lord, if, if I'm lying, let my, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth and take your spirit from me. But because you showed it to me, cause this tumor to dissolve. In the name of Jesus, I roar with the Lion of Judah and say, victory, victory, victory. By your stripes, she is healed, and with your stripes, she was healed. Right now, we declare it for her in Jesus' name. Perfect healing. Dissolve this thing. Take the cause of it and the pain away in Jesus' name and turn it back up on the enemy's head for having the audacity to dare to touch this temple in Jesus' name. Sarah, I didn't know. You said nobody knew. I didn't know. I do this all day. I don't want to do it. I know you got other things to do and so do I. Where's Zion? Is he here? When you see him again, make sure he, make sure he wraps his arms around your neck and give you a hug. Oh, man, because I saw... <laughs> I saw it's it's because of his name. Have him put his arms around your neck and just give you love because God's gonna surround you with Zion, the Zion, the highest place. He's gonna call you, he's calling you that high. You've been there, he's calling you that highest place. He's gonna, he's gonna surround you with it. You ain't gonna do nothing, he's gonna surround you with it. So just make sure Zion gets I think that's what I saw, but have him do it anyway as your kid. He probably will anyway. This is sweet for him. Uh, I'll do, unless the Lord says I can be done. I heard him say the meniscus in the right knee. Who's this, who's that? Right knee, the meniscus. I know that I know you're here. Don't be embarrassed. Who is it? Right here. Is there some? Your it's your your right knee, the meniscus specifically. 
By the way, this is not a, I'm not special any more than you are. I'm just as special as you are. You're just as special as me. Uh, this is the Spirit of God. I get no glory for this. I take no credit for this. I just, the Lord does these things. Did you have an injury? Meniscus shot. In Jesus' name. So I've seen the Lord do creative miracles before. Maybe that's what he's going to choose to do. But there's a reason he said meniscus. And there's a reason you're the only one that came up. So in Jesus' name, I speak to his knee. I speak to the meniscus. Lord, you created his body in the first place. This was your design and your plan. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know what the injury is. But I know you said I'm going to heal a meniscus this morning. So right now, if you have to create a new one, create a new one. In the name of Jesus, I believe in that. In the name of Jesus, let I'd scare you if I told you what I'm seeing. I'm seeing an angel right here blowing and there's fire coming out of his mouth right here. Do you feel anything, Phil, at all? It's okay if you don't. Do you feel anything? Heat. You feel heat. Do you know why? Did you hear what I said? I saw the mouth of an angel blowing fire through that. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you have to create new meniscus, do it, Father. You can do it. You can do it. I can't do it, but you can. I'll partner with you. I'll say it and let you do it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, bend that knee. Bend that knee, Phil. In the name of Jesus. Put some pressure on it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. With your stripes, we are healed. In the name of Jesus. By your stripes, we were healed. In the name of Jesus. You still feeling heat? What do you feel? Anything? feel heat and you've got some movement. Keep Thank it moving. You, Lord, Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, go over there and touch that. Taylor's down. Oh, the chainsaw. Okay. Where's Isaac? Isaac can work for that. Yes, ma'am. Elizabeth, come in here at me real quick. My wife's right here. I'm going to let her put, put uh, you don't mind if I put my hand right here? In the name of Jesus, she's meniscus uh, left. In the name of Jesus, I speak to her. I didn't know she was wearing this, but in the name of Jesus, by your stripes, we're either we're going to believe it and take you at your word, or we're going to stop preaching it and stop talking about it. In the name of Jesus, we're going to take you at your word that with your stripes, we were healed, that you took those stripes upon your back for our healing. In the name of Jesus, heal this meniscus. In the name of Jesus, cause it to become whole. If there's tear, little fibers and tears, a small looks like a bunch of small tears. In the name of Jesus, creative miracles right now. Right now in the name of Jesus, let the reality of her knee in the heaven manifest in the earth in Jesus' name. I know a lot of you are weirded out by this, but that's okay. You'll get used to it after a while. Uh, Taylor, Isaac, come up to the front. Yeah. Is Isaac in here? Find him. Oh, he's going to be grounded. Find Isaac. Isaac! Uh, you, didn't, you haven't done anything wrong. Taylor, your soccer player, remember his dad... Uh, he hurt his knee. It's a chainsaw accident. They don't want to have to do surgery. Lauren, you know, is, is that what it was? And they're hoping not to have reconstructive surgery. So I'm going to, just because you're a soccer player on this team and because you carry the presence of the Lord and because you carry the atmosphere of heaven when you go, I'm going to pray for your knee and I'm going to trust that God does it for Taylor's daddy. Are you cool with that? In the name of Jesus right now, Father, I just speak to, what's his name? I speak to Doug's knee in Jesus' name. Isn't it amazing that you're so good, God, that Doug don't go here, don't ever have to go here, but he's a member of your kingdom. So right now, because you paid for this with your blood, I declare that Doug does not have to have surgery, that you would supernaturally heal his knee. That you would super, and when Isaac takes the field again with his son Taylor, let there be a transference in the name of Jesus. I know that the anointing is transferable and, and transmittable and, tra and dispatchable. Right now, we, we dispatch the anointing that's upon this house, this corporate anointing that's upon this house to Doug's knee in Jesus' name. 
You're doing more than stopping soccer balls out there, buddy. You're releasing the glory of God out there. You ain't bad at stopping soccer balls, but you're a whole lot better at releasing glory. He said, no, I'm not. Go sit down, son. You're grounded for a week. Look at me. Do you believe Jesus can heal you? I know you believe that. All I'm going to do is I'm going to agree with God about your need. Are you good with that? Wait till that person comes. <laughs> Father, heal his need in the name of Jesus. You said by you, either we're going to believe you or not. Either you do it or you don't do it. Either the word is truth or the word's not truth. We're going to take that the word truth. We're going to believe that you meant what you said. We're going to believe that your scripture is true. And your scripture says that with your stripes we are healed. I don't believe that you went through all of that, Lord, just so we could have a good story and celebrate one time a year at Easter. I believe you did it because you were into restoring all of creation back to its original purpose. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Be healed in Jesus' name. name right now father that child is healed in this holy place i just ask that he's having he's confessed you if you want good things for them so lord whatever way it happens you want them baby lord come to help them and let mama come to a blessing in the name of jesus doesn't matter to me if it's right wrong backwards forwards however you choose in the name of jesus i see my son healed in jesus name thank you thank you lord because he's here thank you lord he's here thank you jesus because he's here father i thank you you know god is concerned with the things that that, are, that concern you. He really does heal. Oh man, it's getting late, I know. <clears throat> One last thing, um, I'll just, uh, I saw the right, the heel, specifically the heel. Maybe it's got heel spurs, bone spurs in your heel, it's hard to walk. Somebody in here with the right, it could be right or left, I don't know, but I think I see the right. You know somebody? You can't have those if you're a football star and a wrestling star. All right. Hey, buddy. Well, you got a, Daddy taught him right. Look at that handshake. You're trying to break my bones or something? What are we doing? So you got you have bone spurs on the bottom of your heel? And it's your left one? It hurts a lot when you're playing sports. Look at this kid right here. His name is Connor. I follow, in fact, this you probably don't know this. Do you know you are the reason that I met G, my friend? You got your hair cut years ago, and I texted Mom or Daddy. I don't remember which one it was, and they told me. Well, do you believe that Jesus can heal you? You do believe that? I know you do. Is it okay if I reach down there and, and pray for you heal? Lord, thank you for Connor. Uh, 
You said to call that out, so I did. Lord, he's got bone spurs on the bottom of his heel. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you heal his foot. You did not create him to have issues or, or to have bone spurs. You created him to give you glory and to sing your praises. So right now, Lord, I speak to In Jesus' name, I speak to your foot to be healed. The Bible says that with your stripes we are healed, Lord. It's not because of my prayer and it's not because Connor's good or bad or I'm good or bad. It's because of the goodness of Jesus and what you paid for. But you love him so much that you want to heal his foot. So right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that you heal the bone spurs, that you heal the foot and take away the bone spurs, take away the pain, Father, in the name of Jesus. I see you playing a whole lot of sports and giving God glory the rest of your life. So. Let me know when God takes care of it because he's going to. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Jesus. Lord loves you. Lord loves you. I'm sorry it's late. I'm really not sorry because I don't really have any control over what God does when he does what he does. But um, enough. All right, dizziness. Anybody else ever been healed or being dealing with this dizziness? Uh, thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. I think I see what it is, but I, in the name of Jesus, what I know is the symptom is dizziness. And the cause of it, you hear my voice right now saying to be gone from her in the name of Jesus. That with your stripes we are healed and by your stripes we were healed. That healing is the children's bread and you arise with healing in your ring. Right now, dizziness, you must go. Uh, balance and equilibrium right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Uh, inner ear, you hear me say to be perfectly, you're not allowed to be deformed. In the name of Jesus, be healed and be whole, and be whole in Jesus' name. Can I put my fingers in your ear? In the name of Jesus, I just feel like there's an equal, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Heal her in this moment. By your spirit, let her be healed. With your stripes, we were healed. Lord, you made the deposit. We're just trying to make a withdrawal. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you love her so much that you cause her to be healed. Sir, would you pray with me? Grab me. Yep. In the name of Jesus. Can, will you help me pray real quick? Let's just pray for her. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, for, thank you Lord, in the name of Jesus. Take away dizziness. Thank you, Father. Well, there have been a praiser. It's this man right here. Thank you. I hear a line roaring from him all the time. It's his nature. He can't help it. Thank you, Father. As that line roars from him, the line inside of you hears it. Now you're going to roar, Jennifer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> well, the Lord is good. All the time. And God is good. <laughs> I even tried it. I got it back. I'm going to write it on my podium up here. Everybody okay? Anybody want to be prayed? Pray, I don't mind praying with you. Other people, she wants to be prayed with again. You care about us, not just our bodies, but spirit, soul, mind, and body. 
I specifically speak to her mind and her soul right now to be at peace. You said you give us peace that passes understanding, Lord. It means it doesn't make any sense. And when all things should be tumultuous and full of turmoil, you cause, because you're the Prince of Peace and your Father is the King of Peace, you cause peace to come and sit in her house in the name of Jesus. Let there be peaceful solution, peaceful resolve. Let her rest well. No more sleepless nights crying and worrying and being afraid. None of those. The Lord's going to give you rest. Rest is a gift, and the Lord's going to give you rest. Touch your right ear. And then let me touch your right ear. In the name of Jesus, God's going to give you rest. All right, all right. Sorry, thank you. Okay, okay. You okay for me to do that? Name of Jesus. Thank you. I speak to your knees right now. He said, I'd like you to pray for my wife's knees, Lord. I don't have any power except the Holy Spirit that empowers me. But it's your spirit, and it's with your stripes that we're healed, and by your spirit that we call for that to happen in her knees right now in Jesus name we speak to uh, the function of her knee that she would have full function of her knee that the cause not just the pain but the cause of the pain would go that she could enjoy long life healthy life and she's got grandbabies she's going to be playing with and not just the one she's got but more in the name of Jesus give her long life and strengthen her knees in Jesus name in this moment let restoration come let fullness of restoration come into her knees and as an, as a sign to John and to her father and even as a sign to G how much you love and care for this family in Jesus name let health and life come into her knees and I'm sorry I didn't see you when I walked up there I apologize Malachi is an abused scripture. I know you know it, but I'm going to say it for their sake. Malachi is an abused scripture. It's abused by, by preachers that are insecure. I'm not. And it says, uh, Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. I'm not asking for your tithe. I know you give or whatever. I don't, I don't look at that stuff, but I know you're a giver. And, and, and tithe really has more to do with the heart thing than it is a money thing. But the word blessing, pour you out a blessing, is, is the actual word benediction. It's taken from two words, bena, which means good, diction, which is, is thought or a word. Lord, right now, I give him a good word that you're going to, he's tired of working seven. Is anybody else in this place tired of working 70 hours a week? God, in the name of Jesus, you did not call us in this place to be poor and to suffer. Right now, I don't care if it's a new idea, a business idea, uh, 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 a promotion at his job or whatever. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you'll pour out the blessing, the benediction, that there's not room enough for him to receive it. You're going to be so, I prophesy now, you're going to be so blessed, you're going to have to find avenues and ways to give it away. I was told that when I was a young man, uh, when Elizabeth and I, you stay right here. You know, when I was a young man, I was told, you're going to be so blessed, you're going you're gonna to have to find places to give it away. And at that time, it seemed almost impossible to think that that was going to be me. I mean, we, you know, we're just getting started. Um, but the Lord has brought me into a season where we're, we're giving as much as we're receiving. You know, we're able to, in, in places, and we don't even talk about it. Nobody needs to know. And that, we're not multimillionaires or anything like that. If God wants that, that's fine. But he's allowed us the opportunity to give, and God's going to put you in that position. And it ain't going to be because of the, oh, he. Here's what Tommy Tenney used to say. A moment of favor is worth more than a lifetime of labor. And give him the moment of favor right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All right. All right. Look at him. I hear you, bud. 
You don't like being put on. He, he likes being put on the spot. He likes. <laughs> I think he's done well. You think he's done well? There is a. Listen, I'm going to finish with you. You keep Listen to me. There's a sound that is inside of you that when it's released, it'll shake the foundations of the roof. You're not just talented and all that's fine. You're not just good and all that's fine. And you're not just learning piano with Sarah and learning guitar and jumping into the stuff. There's a very specific reason that God's doing what he's doing inside of you. Because there's a sound that resides within you. And as you begin to play and release it, here we go. In the name of Jesus, I release to him everything that you've ever given me. My own precious son. Unlock his mind to hear music from heaven. And unlock lock his mind to interpret what he hears there and bring it here for the glory of God and for the glory of his kingdom in Jesus' name. Proud of you, son. All right. God bless you. We stay here all day. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Uh, Bible school meeting right in there right now. And Elizabeth.